Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. And sometimes that frontier is at a conference. Like last weekend, where over a thousand developers, founders, builders, and investors attended the Starkware sessions in Tel Aviv in order to participate in growing the StarkNet ecosystem. This is Bankless's Starkware session series, which are nine bite-sized episodes interviewing the founders, builders, and ecosystem developers of StarkNet. Every once in a while in the crypto world, a conference happens, but not everyone is available to attend. Don't worry. Bankless has your back because I go to basically every conference that's out on the frontier and I bring an entire podcast studio in tow with me in order to make sure that the Bankless Nation stays on the frontier of what's happening in crypto. In this interview, we are talking to Cartridge. Cartridge is building out all of the Legos that is needed to produce on-chain gaming in the StarkNet world. We of course know what Web3 gaming is. Web3 gaming is like gaming with assets. You have games, but now you also have assets in your game. It's different in the world of StarkNet because we have the compression technologies of ZK rollups, of ZK tech. We can do much, much more than just assets in our game. We can put much more of our game logic on chain. Perhaps smart contracts on Ethereum are put for putting business in finance logic. Well, since we have so much more compression power on ZK rollups, we can put more game logic on chain and have that actually be viable due to how much compression is in the world of ZK rollups. Uh, and so Cartridge got started trying to build an on-chain game, and then they realized that first we need to build all this normal game infrastructure that other games are also going to have to do if they also build on StarkNet. So first we have to build the tools, the player databases, you know, the player profiles, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then it can incur a blossoming of more and more and more on-chain games on StarkNet. So that's the pitch. We're going to go into more of these details and so much more. So let your imaginations run wild. But first, a moment to talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Kraken has been around for almost as long as crypto itself. As crazy as crypto is, Kraken has remained a rock for its clients, building out a platform designed to stand the test of time. Kraken is all about proof, not promises, which is why they've pioneered a proof of reserves, a system that lets Kraken's customers verify for themselves the solvency and responsibility of the Kraken exchange. And for this reason and many more, we've chosen Kraken as Bankless's strategic sponsor for 2023. And once you're done using Kraken to get your dirty fiat money into pristine crypto assets, perhaps you should check out Arbitrum, where so much of the frontier of crypto innovation is taking place. Arbitrum just announced their Stylus initiative, which is their brand new programming environment that lets developers deploy apps using their favorite programming languages like Rust, C, C++, alongside regular old Solidity EVM apps. That's can use any coding language they like, and it simultaneously drops layer two fees by an order of magnitude. It's a big deal. So many of your favorite DeFi apps have already deployed to Arbitrum, like Uniswap. But did you know that Uniswap isn't just for ERC-20 tokens anymore? Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator too, to make sure that you are getting the best price on your NFT purchases. Uniswap gives NFT collectors and traders powerful tools, all from the cozy, comfy Uniswap interface. By the way, it's also got a native fiat on-ramp, it's also deployed on like every layer two, and it's got this nifty cool thing called a universal router that ensures that you always get the best price on your trades. Crypto protocols like Arbitrum and Uniswap are becoming super powerful. So make sure that you're also using a wallet that's equally as powerful or else you'll be missing out. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet experience, check out Phantom, the number one wallet of Solana, which has recently come to both Ethereum and Polygon. Phantom has native NFT support, giving you your own NFT gallery from inside the wallet. Phantom is both a browser extension and a mobile wallet and is also the only wallet to span both the Solana and Ethereum ecosystems. Check it out at phantom.app. And now let's get into the interview. 
Bankless Nation, we are back at the Starkware Sessions in Tel Aviv, Israel, and I am here with uh, Terrence, who's going to walk us through the world of Starkware Gaming, Stark, Starknet Gaming, excuse me. Uh, Terrence, tell us, how did you arrive on Starknet? What brought you here? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Um, so my journey on Starknet started about, I would say, November 2021. Uh, we had recently launched the Dope Wars project, which is based on, on loot. And it was an on-chain gaming ecosystem with a DAO associated with it. And as part of like the secondary royalties, uh, bootstrapped a DAO that was governed by the players that have minted like this free-to-mint NFT. And we started a grant fund where we would just grant people, like the DAO would choose to grant people building on interesting things, contributing to the Dope Wars universe. And someone came to the DAO with this idea to rebuild uh, this game called Drug Wars, which is what Dope Wars was based on, uh, fully on-chain on top of Startnet. And this is very early on in the Starknet kind of like iteration cycle. Is right before Starknet even had a, a mainnet available, um, and he and we built out a fully on-chain game um, that was very early on, uh, and kind of opened my eyes to what was possible. This idea of putting like everything on chain, not just you know the assets, but all of the rules and and the uh, properties and everything that governs like the the, the loop of this game. And so that's what really brought me to Starknet and was the beginning of the journey that has brought me today to uh, building Cartridge and, and helping out the ecosystem um, of on-chain gaming on Starknet Evolve. So I definitely want to really just dive headfirst into the world of on-chain gaming and how that's different from what people might be used to when they hear like Web3 gaming. But first, um, the fact that this got started off of the Loot Project, I think, is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, because this is actually the, the second gaming community that I've heard come out of Loot. Mm -hmm. The first one being Magic. But the, the Magic ecosystem came out of, again, like that whole Loot phenomenon. But that went to Arbitrum. Mm -hmm. Why did you and why did others come to, to StarkNet? Like, what about StarkNet has really attracted you? Yeah, so actually, so we originally, a lot of the, the, the Dope Wars ecosystem is actually on Optimism. So we built out, um, very early on in the Optimism ecosystem, we built on fully on-chain rendered NFTs to represent, like in Dope Wars you have a Hustler, which is your item, and then all the items that you got like on the original card were bridged to uh, Optimism as individual items, so you get like your gun or your, your you know, like your, your, your Air Force Ones or your gold chain and stuff like that. And you can like assemble them for on your, onto your character, onto your hustler, and rent, those are all stored and rendered on chain. So that was you know an early experiment of having a fully on chain NFTs that are inter, like interoperable and composable, and people can kind of like play this game of of equipping like the the dopest hustler. Um, so we were kind of open to. I mean, it, it was very apparent early on that you can't build, especially you know during the the, the, the bull market of like the, you know like late 21 whatever where Ethereum gas prices were like north of 100 guai. You can't really build a game on chain that, and expect people to interact with it. So we were very you know eager to explore different options. So we started with Optimism and then uh, started building out. The, and Optimism was you know much more production ready at that at the moment in time, and then started building out on Starknet. Um, I think with Starknet, it's really uh, there's a set of constraints that it loosens versus like EVM chains. Like one is around like the complexity of the smart contracts that can get like a little bit tricky to deal with when writing Solidity, and the other is this idea of like um, of fractal scaling and exponential availability of compute that you can put on chain, which I think like makes Starknet particularly interesting for, for building games on, as well as some other properties. Um, like account abstraction that you know, obviously everyone is very excited about. 
Yeah, there, there's so many different ways to, to start this conversation. Uh, count abstraction, definitely one of them for needing to have the necessary infrastructure to really onboard people into gaming. But I think that really, that, that big unlock is the, the ZK element mm -hmm. that allows you just to do more. Can you talk about the ZK rollup and what it's allowed you to do when building on Sarknet? Yeah, definitely. I think it really just allows you to have a lot more bandwidth for like expressing computation on chain with the future like potential avenues for exponentially increasing that through you know fractal scaling or client side proving so you even have you know properties of like private information that are easily incorporated into the starknet like blockchain by producing a proof on your client you know allowing for like hidden information and then putting that on chain as well as uh, different data availability solutions that are, are starting to come to market. So when you think about a game, there's obviously like a spectrum of assets that require different properties, right? And so as you want to put more and more of those games on chain so that they like, you know, inherit the properties of the blockchain, like the hardness and the persistence and that they can be around forever, uh, you want, you, you don't want to, you know, necessarily want to pay the same amount like per byte, for example, for you know, like an, a core item versus maybe like some illustration of an item or like a 3D model of an item. So I think like that's another very interesting avenue that uh, zk rollups and Starknet have, have been innovating in that is going to be like crucial uh, to building fully on-chain games. Yeah. So fully on-chain games. Can you compare and contrast these? Uh, what a fully on-chain game is versus what uh, perhaps a more what people might know as a Web3 game. How is this different? Yeah. So I think like. Baseline, they have some similarities, uh, potentially. Um, like the, the, the Web3 games generally, I would say, are characterized by assets living on chain and taking advantage of the, the capability of the blockchain for like player ownership of assets and uh, the ability for people to trade them in secondary markets. So like uh, opening up this idea that uh, gamers should own their assets, they should be able to sell them, they should be able to like accumulate them over time, potentially by like, playing the game and potentially get paid for the game, right? There's like people working on different dynamics and like, I mean, I would say uh, to, you know, di different degrees of success, obviously, what we've seen from like, you know, play to earn and stuff like that. Um, so I think like, you know, that's like the first, just scratching the surface of the properties that a blockchain brings to the table that make sense for games. On-chain games, you start to see like a lot more of that logic start to live on-chain. So, you know, with Web3 games, you're still reliant on this promise that there's some off-chain game that's going to implement these assets, it's going to make them useful, and that like it, your your assets are going to derive value from, right? Whereas on-chain game, we start put, you start to put all that logic on-chain, like incrementally and like eventually, potentially everything, right? So the rules that the properties of those assets or those items, like I don't even really like to call them assets because it like, you know, it's a very financialized term. Like when you think of start thinking about like a whole gaming ecosystem being on chain, there's really a ton of different like objects that exist or in this universe and, and maybe anything some, in your gaming inventory. Yeah. And some of them might be tradable. Some of them might not. Some of them might be issued by the, the ecosystem. Um, so yeah, all of those things, or even the properties of a, of a boss, right? Like what is you know the, the class of the boss and stuff like all of these kind of things start to live on chain. They're legible by smart contracts and people can start to make assumptions about this foundation that it's not gonna go away beneath them, right? Like, so in traditional gaming, even in web three gaming, um, it's hard to build a game on top of another game, right? We've seen it like many times over with, with, with franchises like Warcraft or GTA, where a developer builds like a, 
uh, ecosystem alongside that maybe like takes advantage of like some game and mods it in a certain sense, but it's very hard for them to turn that into like a sustainable business model because you're kind of you know always at the whims of the original IP owner. So you you like if you become too popular, like you know then probably lawyers get involved and like you, you maybe you'll figure out like an exit strategy or like some kind of acquisition. But it's very hard, for example, for like a, an investor to or even a person to invest a lot of time into building something that they think they can last on top of like a fragile foundation. You know, it's like a similar property that you get when you build on top of Twitter and then like all of a sudden they they close the APIs off, right? And so with on-chain games, you get to have a foundation that you can make assumptions about and you can start to build and that, th that universe can compound, right? Um, so I think like those are, that, that's like the big contrast of the properties that the blockchain gives to on-chain games that I think are gonna, you know, over time, it's a very emergent, like very early on in the ecosystem, but over time because um, the, the efforts were compound, we're gonna see like an incredibly vibrant, like you know, massive ecosystems of, of these parallel like on-chain universes that anyone can contribute to and monetize and be compensated for expanding. And so just to, to reiterate what you said, like we have Web3 games, which is really just about the instantiation of in-game assets as tokens, mm -hmm. but the game itself is rendered and not really, it's like the game itself is just like a normal Web2 game. It's a trad game. Yeah. And so what we're talking about and specifically the magic of ZK rollups and why why we're here at Starknet uh, is because you because of what a ZK rollup is you actually can do more things as in what uh, ZK rollups are trying to do is just reduce the cost of computation mm -hmm. down to their absolute minimum yeah and when you can reduce when you do reduce the cost of computation all of a sudden what is viable to put on chain actually increases yep. so have you thought about after assets, what goes on chain after like now that we have much more commoditized computational costs, mm -hmm. what what can go on chain next? What makes sense to put on chain? Yeah, so I think we're seeing a, a, a bunch of di different experimentation with this. Uh, like I mentioned, the Dopeboys ecosystem, we ex we experimented with fully on chain NFTs and rendering, and there's a few projects obviously doing that on Ethereum as well. Um, on Starknet. Uh, we, we're starting to see fully on-chain games like Moomoo Moo by Topology, which is uh, they've uh, built a fully on-chain physics engine that deals um, with processes and is basically like a very fun but technical game where you set up different state machines to kind of uh, uh, achieve this objective. You should check it out if you haven't, uh, Moomoo by Topology. There's another game like Influence, which is a space exploration game, which is a lot of fun. And that game as well like has... Um, some NFT assets that they issued uh, initially that are incorporated into the game, their crewmates and asteroids. And then they've built out this like very immersive experience on-chain, fully on-chain of how you explore this universe, how you travel through the universe, how you can you know, land on an asteroid uh, and start to mine resources from the asteroid and, and build like a civilization. And, and you know, it's a very, a, we, they recently did a testing event with a bunch of like a, you know, a few thousand players and um, everyone was fully on chain on Starknet and playing this game and, and it, it starts to create like these interesting behaviors where you know, one of the cool things was people started building um, civilizations on these asteroids or like or machinery on these asteroids to kind of like make a picture right and because it's on the blockchain it's almost like okay now the game itself is like you know like an NFT in a sense right uh, which is like a cool like uh, emergent behavior and then you have the the realms team obviously building a few different games on on um, Starknet and pushing the barriers of what's possible there uh, when that too is a fully on-chain game 
where all of the rules that govern um, your realms and how you like can you know build armies and the resource management and all these kind of things is all on chain. So, you know, I think the next thing that makes a lot of sense to experiment with in the in the Starknet ecosystem is the rules and the logic. There's not so much experimentation about putting like the assets like media and stuff fully on chain just yet. Uh, I think that maybe will come with different data availability solutions as as those are rolled out. Um, but yeah, it's very a lot of experimentation around like just the core logic that governs why an asset like makes sense for this ecosystem. And you touched on it, but I really wanted to drive this point home, so I want to talk about it a little bit more. What do we get when we put more of our games on chain? Like, There's this vision of, of crypto gaming as like composable games, where your items can transcend across games, or your character can transcend across games. Like game composability. Mm -hmm. When we put more and more of our game on chain, whatever that logic may be, what, what kind of properties do we get out as a, resu as a result of that? Yeah, so I think it's like you described, described, like interoperability and composability are two big value propositions. We've yet to like achieve like a great deal of that. I think like a lot of that will come through some standardization in how games are built and represented on chain. Um, and so we have an effort that we're working on with the Starknet community called Dojo to build out an on-chain gaming tool chain like for developing smart contract or games on top of Starknet. And that, like I think, has the capability to standardize a lot of those primitives and allow for interoperability and composability much more easily. You get the hardness of the blockchain, so the, the guarantees that the things on it are going to exist as long as the blockchain will exist, right? And the blockchain gives you this, this property where anyone can um, can um, propagate the blockchain at some point in the future, right? Like if someone, if you, if if no one is mining Bitcoin and you want Bitcoin to continue, you just mine it yourself, right? And the the the, the, the chain will continue propagating. So you can get that same property for a gaming universe, right? Today you might have a centralized publisher. You know, like the longest living games are like, you know, Warcraft, like franchises and, and Blizzard and stuff like that. But at some point, Blizzard's going to shut down the, the World of Warcraft servers or something, right? And if you, your options are kind of limited, especially now that servers, servers weren't designed to be run by anyone, right? Like, in theory, they could like open source it and you would need probably like a DevOps team to like figure out like how to stand this stuff all up. Um, whereas like blockchain games are inherently designed to be like replicated for it to be like robust to this that anyone can continue propagating this universe if they're interested in it. I, I want to unpack that metaphor a little bit and, and dive into that. So I've, I've used um, Hearthstone, which okay. is a, another Blizzard game, uh, which is much like Magic the Gathering for mm -hmm. people that are familiar with that. Uh, same kind of game. You you own cards and then you play them and like there's the and this is a, a server based and so unlike Magic the Gathering, which is played in person. Hearthstone is played virtually. Mm -hmm. um, similar to Magic the Gathering, you buy cards. You yeah. buy cards from, uh, from Blizzard, and then those go into your inventory, and then you battle other people. The problem with Hearthstone, and what was actually nice about Magic the Gathering, is that when you buy the cards, you actually own them mm -hmm. with Ma in Magic the Gathering. In Hearthstone, when you buy the cards, it's just a database log. Yeah. And so if we want to go through this progression in, in Web3, Web th the first phase of Web3 gaming is like, well, no, now you own your assets. Mm -hmm. And so like when you actually buy uh, Gauze Unchained is now this Web3 version of Hearthstone yeah. where you actually own the tokens as cards. And so then you can play the game, but you actually own the cards. The issue with that, though, is that 
the, there, there's still a server, there's still a client that mm -hmm. is needed to be maintained in order to play the game. So if the company behind Gars Unchained goes down, you can't play the game anymore. Yeah. So it's great that you own your assets, but you also need to own the game too. Exactly. Like, or otherwise, like the, the game itself will be rugged and all the reasons why you own the assets in the first place, the utility just drops to zero. I think it's a great comparison. I think like really what you can say is like, a lot of the properties that Magic the Gathering has by being a, like a physical item in the real world can now be given to digital games that live on the blockchain, right? Like if you have a deck in Magic the Gathering, you can play it no matter what. No one can stop you, right? Like as long as you have a deck of cards, you can play it with whoever you want. But you're also limited by the physical constraints of the real world. Yeah, you are. So that you don't have like, you know, like... RNG or you can't play over the internet and stuff like that. Well, you could roll a dice, but... You know, but <laughs> um, but yeah, and like the 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 creator of the game. I mean, like from my understanding, I'm not big into Magic the Gathering, but there's like a formalized um, like tournaments and stuff like that where they have stricter rules around like cards that are allowed and interpretations of them. But if you don't agree with that in Magic the Gathering, if you have the deck and you're just playing with your friend, you can make whatever rules up you want, right? And I think like that property it doesn't exist in digital games, right? Like for example. If you're like playing, like let's say League of Legends or or Hearthstone or whatever, and Bl Blizzard or Riot decides to like nerf a card, there's no way for you to opt out of that nerf to say like, well, I'm gonna play with my friends and we like that card. Uh, but like with the blockchain, with a game that exists on the blockchain, you have that optionality. Like you not only have this ability for players to be involved in that decision making to like potentially nerf nerf. Uh, an item which I think like will provide a lot of legitimacy a lot, in a lot of gaming ecosystems there's this idea of like this top-down like decisions coming and nerfing things that like people get generally like, quite upset about and with the blockchain you enable like this bottom-up like if every all the players agree this is out of balance then like let's balance it and you also have this ability for like optionality right like you can constrain the games in certain like in a certain mode while still allowing like other modes to exist in parallel or like other people to build different experiences that are slightly different like if you you know if 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 there's a game of built on top of like the digital version of Hearthstone uh, like a fully on-chain game like there might be someone that says like look like the games I think it could be better balanced like this and maybe we introduce these cards and they're free to like you know, in, inherit like a lot of that, like the foundation of the original game and provide a new experience that's better on top of it without this like, you know, this worry that if you are competing with this original game that like there's like going to be some adverse consequence in the future. Okay, so I can, I'm pretty good at daydreaming. I'm pretty good at imagining things. I can imagine some sort of like, MMORPG that's as fully on chain as possible mm -hmm. and there's hundreds of thousands of people and they're all playing and it's all super fun um, but first we're at Starknet. Mm -hmm. we, what we got is Starknet. There's also this thing called Cartridge uh, but help us go from Starknet to 100,000 people playing this MMORPG. What, we don't just get to skip there. What are the necessary steps in order to get to that point? Like, What are the base level infrastructure we need to enable something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, we, we're decently far away from that. I think, like, <laughs> I think there's a, a tractable path to achieving it. Um, I think, like, one of the, the, the biggest gaps in the short term is just, like, 
standardization around like how games are represented on chain and building out tool chains that enables people to more easily build games on top of Starknet in particular. Um, and that's like, you know, like, like taking learnings from the existing gaming industry. Like there's, you know, like standardized ways of representing games and patterns and architectures that people have used for a long time and have a, like a lot of inertia and that we can build on top of the, the, the blockchain. So there's something called like entity component systems, which is, you know, a lot of game engines uh, use this to represent like what, what the state in a world and the state transitions of that world. And so that's something that we're building with Dojo is a, a fully on-chain, uh, a tool chain for building fully on-chain games that abstracts a lot of the semantics of like this, the smart contracts and all this stuff underneath and allows people to like very concisely and easily build games on top of StarkNet and take advantage of those properties without necessarily having to be exposed to like you know the 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 rabbit hole that's usually necessary to understand like smart contract state model and stuff like this so just making it much more accessible so i think that's like you know one of the first steps uh, to enabling this i think like you know once we have compelling games on top of starknet you know starknet itself is not it is an exponential increase in compute available on top of ethereum but itself could not uh, manage the, the, the throughput necessary for a single, like, very well um, adopted game. And a lot of the constraints that StarkNet is optimized around is around, like, security and, and more, like, DeFi use cases. So I think, like, a, a logical next thing uh, is layer threes or, or, like, executing on the fractal scaling roadmap. So that's, like, layer three solutions that have properties that are more tuned to what a game needs. So, you know, like, in DeFi or in StarkNet, you probably want like decentralized sequencers, right? Because like you know, you're 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 touching financialized assets, and there's a lot of, you know, the the adversarial model is very different. For an on-chain game, you probably are okay with like a, a a centralized sequencer with high throughput that's checkpointing to Starknet, and that you can all easily exit to come back down to Starknet if like the sequencer is not like propagating the world state like in a way that like the players want. Um, so I think like the next step is going to look like uh, cent centralized sequencers, layer three sequencers on top of StarkNet, tailored towards specific gaming universes um, that are just checkpointing to StarkNet. And then another uh, dimension that I think is you know uh, quite interesting is uh, client-side proving, and so the ability to compute like. Today, you can do it actually in the StarkNet ecosystem. There's provers that you can compile to, to Wasm and run uh, in, your, in your browser. There's a really exciting project called Sandstorm of someone working on this. And um, there's, like some, they, there's some standards coming out that's going to make it much more feasible to do in the browser as well, uh, computationally. And like, that gives you the property of, of hidden information, as well as uh, like this, you can generate these proofs on the client side that are very easy to verify. So you get like another layer of like exponential growth of compute available. And so I think like all of those things are you know, probably going to have some kind of role um, in building this like future you know, fully on-chain game, massive multiplayer online game. Um, as well as probably like state channels and different data availability solutions. So really, like we need to execute on the full like roadmap uh, to enable that like future. It's like the abundance of compute and the full spectrum of trade-offs available uh, for things that want to live on the blockchain. So you you said the word standard a lot, and um, 
going back and I, I kind of see this world of on-chain gaming following the same footsteps of DeFi, which is on-chain finance. Mm -hmm. But DeFi didn't come about until we had the ERC-20 token standard. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden applications could start to reason about the assets inside of them. And that's, that standard uniformity of assets made it easy to have these assets be composable. Same thing with NFTs. We didn't have NFTs until we had the ERC-721 standard. And so there seems to be this uh, inevitable hurdle that must overcome before an ecosystem arrives, which is the standardization hurdle, yeah. which I think that goes to what you're doing at, at Cartridge. Can you w walk us through what Cartridge is and how the idea of standardization is so important? Yeah, so at Cartridge, our goal is to accelerate the advent of on-chain gaming. So we're working on you know, dog fooding. We're developing a few games ourselves and then solving a lot of the problems that we see in the ecosystem and working with the community to solve them. Uh, so initially, our focus has been um, on onboarding users, and we've built a solution for called the Cartridge Controller, which is, it deals with player interaction and identity, and leverages something called WebAuthn to use like the secure enclave in your device to uh, issue credentials and allow people to sign up for you know, and and start executing transactions on chain, which is a single click, like a face ID or a biometric finger scan. So that's like one of the things that we focus on, like quite early on with Cartridge. Now with Cairo 1.0 maturing and the ability to like kind of start building up the the stack for on-chain games, the tool chain, um, we're working with the ecosystem, with the the community of games, like the Realms team with Loaf and Silv at Brick, um, and a bunch of other like talented contributors, um, like Annie and. Um, a, a few others uh, on building the Dojo toolchain, and the Dojo toolchain is really this idea of standardizing the primitives that people are using on chain to represent games. So it, it is an implementation of an ECS system, and it has like some cool properties of like verifiable client-side states and stuff like that that we've built into it. And it's already the the, the nice thing about ECS systems is it's already a standard in traditional gaming, like the traditional gaming development, and so. Um, it's not like we have to necessarily invent something new. We just need to build a way uh, to represent like ECS systems on top of Starknet. And so th that's what we're focusing on like in the short term. And I think like that level of standardization is going to bring to your point like the advent of you know powerful infrastructure built around it. So like once we have a standardized ECS system or way of representing state for games and the processes and the, the functions that change that state over time, you can start to build uh, powerful infrastructure that like, applies to all the games, right? And then if someone is building a game on StarkNet, they get all these things for free. It's like if you issue a token on Ethereum, you obviously do it on USC 20 so you can put it on Uniswap, right? It's like, um, you know, like the equivalent, I, I guess like one, one way to think about it today is like the on-chain gaming ecosystem with NFTs today is like NFTs are interoperable in a, in a financialized sense that they can trade with each other, but they, it's not like interoperable in the sense that like you could, the, the, the properties of them are legible on-chain and you can have functions and stuff like that. So just like surfacing that level of interoperability is gonna, and standardizing it is gonna enable this, I think, this future. Continuing with the progression of DeFi as a mental model idea, um, I've always been a fan of the idea that like Uniswap is an individual DeFi app mm -hmm. and Compound is also an individual DeFi app. But these things also hook into each other exactly, yeah. and they're also hooked into Aave. And actually every single DeFi app that's on the same L1 is also really just one big structure. 
because they're all interoperated with each other. So like instead of individual DeFi apps, there's actually just one big DeFi superstructure, mm -hmm. and that's because of the composability of these systems. 100%. And I kind of think that's perhaps the way on-chain gaming also plays out, as in like we have this one on-chain game, and then we'll have a second on-chain game, but then there'll start to be like composability between these two things. Mm -hmm. And then a third on-chain game, and just all of a sudden, this is actually not just individual on-chain games, but actually StarkNet is the game. Yeah. And it's actually many, many, many games. Did you share game. this vision? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that meta, that like vision or metaphor expands just to life in general, in a sense. But um, yeah, I think like that yeah, is the meta game. I mean, right now we're in the meta game of building games, right? And on-chain games on StarkNet. And it's a lot of fun because it's a great ecosystem to be in. It's like everyone, there's so many people that do this for fun. You know, that, I think that's like a, uh, a common attribute of people involved in the StarkNet ecosystem is they're here for like like out of pure intellectual interest of like what is really on the bleeding edge and it's like a game and it's fun for them, right? Um, but yeah, I think definitely I think like similar like I think similar to like the evolution of DeFi um, on Ethereum, like the kind of the paradox, you know, like a lot of people say, you know, on-chain gaming is very early, but the, the, the games that are built today and the things that are built today are probably because they have this property that they can like pr live on pr perpetually. The, the stuff that's built in the next few years probably has the highest chance of being like the next big thing, right? So while it's so early and like like uh, hard to figure out like what it, what are the paths we should go down or like what should we invest in, like the when getting the right formula is going to be like you know like when Hayden was working on like. Um, constant product markets and everyone like no one really like knew about them and then all of a sudden you know Uniswap is like the size of Coinbase you know so I feel like it's some something similar will happen once we figure out something cool that players love that people love to build on top of that like it manages to attract a critical mass of, of people modding it and building new experiences and like building sustainable like business models on top of, of, of entertainment for players um, I think like it's it's coming soon, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, if we've piqued the interest of any of the listeners listening to this, who do you need the most help from? Who could you uh, get the most uh, assistance from out of any of these listeners? What kind of, what kind of uh, developers? What kind of developers? Who do you need help from? Yeah, I mean, I think like the ecosystem could use with just a lot of experimentation, and we're seeing it. There's like a, you know a lot of different pockets of people building different on-chain games and different experiences with different constraints, some on you know, Ethereum mainnet, some on Polygon. I think it's like important for people to continue experimenting with those and for people that are interested in the space to, to try them out and, and like provide feedback and, and, and be a, a part of that feedback loop. I think like there's a large contingent of like the traditional gaming industry that um, is, is very hesitant on blockchain technology because of the financialized properties of it. But I think like there's a lot of properties that the blockchain can enable for games that any game developer would want. I mean, if you're building a game in like a traditional game, especially if it's a game that fits into the constraints of the blockchain, like something that's turn-based um, and has like shared state and, and, and potentially like adversarial models and stuff like that, like it would be significantly easier to build a turn-based game as a developer on top of something like StarkNet once the infrastructure is solid than to build out like and manage that whole backend yourself, right? You get to start, 
experimenting, like, like you get a, a lot more leverage being able to take advantage of all these other pieces outside of the financialized component of things. So I think like having, bringing those people that are familiar with traditional gaming, uh, the industry and game development into the blockchain space and getting them excited to take advantage of these properties outside of the financialized stuff, which, you know, it can, it can you know, leave a lot of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. I think that is going to be critical to to building like you know like this the, the future that you talked about of like a, a massive like triple A quality uh, MMO RPG online game that's uh, fully owned by the players and it has these like properties of 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 um, composability and interoperability and actually just being like something competitive with what a studio like a centralized studio with a billion dollars can do today. Yeah. Well, Terrence, I hope we've uh, piqued the interest of many, many, many bankless listeners and made them optimistic about the future of on-chain gaming. So thank you for helping me tell that story. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And if anyone uh, wants to chat about it or, or get involved in the ecosystem, feel free to reach out um, on Twitter or, or join the Discord and um, or just find me around. Uh, what's the website? Uh, cartridge.gg. Awesome. Thank you, Terrence. Thank you. Cheers.